0: Good morning, good to see you guys this morning, good to be here together to, to worship together and if you are new and joining us first time here this morning or, or maybe you've been here a couple times or a few times, we just want to welcome you, we're grateful um, again and if you uh, are on the hunt for a church home, we certainly hope you'll find one here or at one of the other great churches within our community that, that honor Jesus, that proclaim Him uh, as King. So yeah, a couple things, I wanna uh, uh, tout the luau, right? I got some luau attire, and there's actually some floating around different people. So the Spirit is moving on some people to wear some luau gear already. If you don't have your luau gear, get it, get ready, because we're gonna have a really fun party a week from Friday. We're gonna have water slide for the kids, a big kind of bounce house water slide kind of a thing. We're gonna have bounce houses. We'll have some features for the littler kids as well. Um, and we'll have some great food and great fellowship, so just want to encourage you to uh, come out and check that out with us. Uh, another thing is, uh, this afternoon, just, just, uh, just uh, for prayer, um, just know that the board is going to be meeting this afternoon and, and looking into uh, staff position, and, and so um, just keep that in your prayers, if you would, this afternoon as well, that, that really that the Spirit would, would lead in the midst of that. So we continue on this morning with uh, our Psalm 119 study. Remember uh, last week we went through um, Aleph, uh, Bet. Uh, today we will go through Gimel and Dalat. And so, um, so if you wanna open your Bible, turn your Bible on, whatever you do there, uh, we are headed to Psalm 119, um, verse 17. And this whole concept of, of just this idea of the source of life, what is it that you're looking to, what is it that you're trusting in to bring life to you, to identify you, to bring purpose and meaning into life? God's Word is going to challenge us this morning as it always does. I hope that you have been in um, just uh, just expectation of God moving in your life through this week as you've delved into his word, that you've met with him, that you've plugged into the right source because that's really what we need to do is we really need to make sure that we are plugged into him, that he is the source of all good things. And so this is exactly how we are starting out here this morning. All right, so. Gimel is, is this, it represents a foot walking. Um, all of the Hebrew alphabet letters are archetypal. They, they, they represent something. And so this represents um, a foot walking. It represents progress. It represents movement. It's representative of the journey that each and every one of us are on. We're all in this, we're on a journey. Journey. The, a gamal or a camel was, was also began with this letter, and, and, and a camel to, to a desert people represented all of the necessities of life were placed on this camel for the journey. So let's, let's delve in here, and let's look into this. Oops, sorry. Verse 17 says, deal generously with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. You know, it's, it's only by God and it's only by God's work in our lives that we would ever get any kind of truth. It's only him who was able to rescue us who were dead out of that place of darkness and death and to deliver us over and to translate us over into a kingdom of light and goodness and a kingdom of, of his, uh, his making. We, we need him to show up in our lives and, and, and so this idea that I may live, that you might even cause me to live, this is the place that we start from. We, we recognize that we only live by God's grace. It's his goodness and it's his life. It's even just his prevenient grace that even ever opened our eyes so that we could ever even see any kind of truth at all. The reality about who we are is that we were lost and we were lost for real and, and God has come to rescue us, he's he's doing that in this world. That in a world that is surrounded by death and darkness and struggle and deceit and deception, we have a God who is bringing light into that, who is illuminating what's true. He's rescuing people out of that. And his word, his living word, Jesus, is his means by which he's doing this. It's the spirit that reveals God's truth to us in our lives. See, we're all moving in this place, in this journey that we're in, we're moving out of this temporary existence that we're in, and we're moving towards a more eternal existence. But while we're here, we have this God, and this God is, is, is infusing meaning and purpose and reason into why we're here and what we're doing. We see this progression in the Bible. We see that, 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 that God's people were a people who, who wandered in the desert right, for 40 years, but eventually were delivered into a permanent home. We see it in the tabernacle, in the picture of this tabernacle, that it went from being a tent, a portable tent as well, as into more of a permanent dwelling place of God. This is our journey, and each one of us are at some point within that journey. We're all making steps, we're all moving forward. And hopefully we're doing that as we make connection with God, that as we, as we meet God in his word, that we aren't just sitting down just, again, mechanically, like, like that we're mandating our time in the word with him, but no, we're getting up in the morning with expectation of meeting with this God, of asking him to open our eyes to, to what we're blind to, to bring me to life, to infuse life into me, and to teach me this very day, God, the things that you would have me to know and do. That we would be a people, as as Blackaby said, in in experiencing God, that we would wake up in the morning and we would say, God, what are you up to and how might I join you in what you're doing today? 2 Corinthians 5.1, For we know that if our earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made by hands, eternal in the heavens. This is the progression that we're in. This is the reality. This is the, the framework of our life. And this really needs to be the way that we frame our lives and understand our lives. That if, if the thing that we're in here is temporary, but we're moving on to something more temporal, then, then what should be the focus of our lives? Should it be the temporary or should it be the eternal? Too many times, too often we live here like there's permanence in this place. Verse 19 goes on to say, I am a stranger on the earth. Do not hide your commands from me. My soul is crushed with longing for your ordinances at all times. It makes the point here again that we are aliens in this place. That this place is just a temporary dwelling place that we really are just passing through here. God reminds us in the things like the book of James and he, he tells us that, 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 um, that our life really is, is just like, like a flower. And it, 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 it grows up, but then the sun comes with a scorching wind and the flower fades, or the, the flower falls and the, and the grass withers, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. It's this idea that life for us is short, that the reality of even if we have what's here, a long life, it's short in the concept of eternity, but it's still very important. And so the question that we would ask is are we living as tourists or are we living as pilgrims? And the difference would be that, that a pilgrim is finding the sacred in the journey, that as the journey progresses, as the, as the events of the journey happen, as the difficulties, as the struggles, as the sufferings that are brought even within the journey, do we recognize those to be sacred in themselves? Do we recognize that there's value in them and that God is at work in the midst of that, that He's helping us? Or are we simply living as a tourist who's comparing the journey to other journeys or the destination to other destinations. Not really living in the present because they're too caught up in gathering the trinkets of the journey and comparing the journey to other destinations. We wanna be a people who are present, a people who are living for God's purposes, a people who recognize the sacred in everything that we do, that each and every day, each and every place that we go, when we go to our workplace, that that's a sacred place. That when we, that when we go about in our community, we recognize the possibility that God might have a sacred um, connection for us to make or a, a, just a sacred um, event that might take place in the midst of our life. We want to be pilgrims in this journey, not simply tourists. Verse 21 says, you rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, who wander from your commandments. Take disgrace and contempt away from me, for I comply with your testimonies. You rebuke the arrogant, the cursed, who wander from your commandments. We know the reality of this, that when we push against God's law, that we always suffer the consequences. Again, you can't really break God's law. You can push up hard against it, but, you, but we always suffer the consequences of having pushed up against it. The reality of our lives is if when I look back in my life and I look at the things that I regret and the deepest struggles that I have in my life, they all come from those places where I denied God's word, where I lived in rebellion against God's word, and I suffered just the natural consequences even of doing that. So God has given us his word for, for, his, for our goodness, for our freedom, so that we might know how to live, that we might hear and connect with this God, and that he might tell us and teach us how to live. It says to take disgrace from me. Well, what is disgrace? It's it's anything with a dis in front of it, to be disenchanted, to, means to be no longer enchanted, right? To be... Uh, So so the idea of being disgraced is this idea, I mean, I would equate it the most with maybe just living in shame. This idea that that grace is no longer upon me. Um, If you're a believer, this is never the truth. That God's grace is always upon us and it's not dependent on our behavior. It's not dependent on how well we do this walk. What it depends on is the goodness and the character of the God who extends this grace to us. But take disgrace, take shame from me, and take contempt from me, God. Why, because those are impediments on the journey. Those are things that keep us from moving forward in the journey. Those are things that keep us shackled and chained in the past. Just like in the, the story of the prodigal, we see the older son and he was completely unable to recognize the blessings that were all around him because he was angry and he was resentful and he was unforgiving. Because he was contemptuous in his approach to life he couldn't see the goodness that was all around him. He couldn't see that what the Father had was always his, that the Father had never withheld anything from him at all. These are things that impede our progress in life. Pushing up against God's law, pressing up against it, trying to think that somehow we're gonna break it, or to live in this place of a a lack of real and authentic identity. When we believe that the grace of God is gone and away from us, because of something that we've done, because of something in our past that maybe we went just that much too far, and that now God is just angry and that he's mad. This is a God who who wants to extend grace to us always, who's always quick to just lavish grace and goodness. This is a good father, right, in whom good things proceed out of. Verse 23. Even though rulers sit and speak against me, your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight. They are my advisors. Psalm 23 tells us that he sets a table for us in the presence of our enemies, that when it would seem that people are against us or the culture around us, that we can rest confident in knowing that God has us, that he has us and he is able to keep us in perfect peace in the midst of a contemptuous, resentful, unforgiving, and hateful world around us. When it seems like everybody is against what's good, when they call good evil and evil good, that God is able to keep us in those places. And we stay in that by staying in connection with him, by staying in connection with his word, by meditating and allowing again his principles and his things to just saturate our mind to living in the truth of eternity versus the deception of the temporal. He sets a table for us in the presence of our enemy. These are the things too that that, that move us forward. It's a right recognition of our relationship to God that if he is for us, then who could ever stand against us, right? That this is a God whose arm is not too short for him to save, but he is always able and he's always willing that if he holds our life in his righteous right hand, then no one can ever remove that. It's about moving forward, and we move forward in in meditation. Again, not just sitting down and, and, and religiously just reading God's word, because we have to, and checking a box about that, but again, an expectation of sitting down and connecting to the God of the universe, of hearing from him, And then allowing what he speaks to us to be meditated in our minds throughout the day. That we make a conscious effort to stay connected to this God in all of our, um, in everything that happens throughout our day. That we're purposely pursuing our relationship with him. That we're allowing him to transform our mind through the meditation of his word and his ways. See, what else are we going to compare? What else are we going to know what is right and what is wrong, because God tells us that there's a way that is in a man that seems right to him, but in the end, it leads to death. Counsel, allowing God's word to be our advisor, our counselor, to change us, to, to meet with us, to heal us. When we, when we get with God, when we spend time with God, God is actively at work changing our hearts. He's actively at work Through his word revealing to us what needs to go and helping us to apply and learn what needs to come into our lives. God's word gives us a standard by which to live by, it gives us something to to go to, to look to, to know that we can trust this and that this good thing will give us life. Thalet is a door, it represents a door or a gate. Um, a doll is a poor person in Hebrew. And a poor person is is um, related to someone who is humble. Their means are humble. They have humble means. Jesus said in Matthew 5 on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? And the reason that he said that blessed were the poor in spirit is because because we need to become a people who recognize the reality of our spiritual poverty. That in and of ourselves, that we have no good thing. That, that, that we are spiritually impoverished. And, and when we humble ourselves and we begin to live in that recognition and we, 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 we begin to cry out and say, is there help out there? See, it's only our spiritual poverty that we recognize that we have a need for a savior. If we think that we have all the answers... We'll never need a savior. We'll never never need God's word or something to come in and counter who we are. Jesus is that door. John 10, 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and go out, and they will find pasture. Psalm 118 says, through 19 to 21, open the gates of righteousness to me. I will enter through them. I will give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord, the righteous will enter through it. I will give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation." On this journey that we're on, there's a gate, and there's a, there's a, there's, there's a way into eternal life, right? And the Bible says that broad is the road that leads to destruction, but narrow is the gate that leads to life, right? But Jesus is that doorway. He is that way that, that we, even though we are sinful and even though we are deceived and even though we are lost, that we can enter in through this door and through this gate. That God causes our spirit to come to life when we cry out to him, when in humility we recognize that we are impoverished and that we are in need, but that he is rich and he is gracious and he stands ready to restore us and and to give us eternal life. And so this becomes, Jesus then is this gate that we are able to enter into a relationship with the holy and righteous God. Verse 25 says, my soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. And remember this word isn't just words on a page, this is the God, Jesus himself is the living embodiment of God's word. He is the word. His words are life. He holds all life within himself. It says that my soul clings to the dust. The Bible says that we are created out of dust, that that God created out of the dust a body. And that within that body then, he breathed life into it. And it says that that body then became a nefesh or a living soul. It became a true human being. So we know that the body apart from the spirit is dead. It's, it's not existing in the manner that it, was ex, that it was created to exist in. And the spirit also, in the same way that God created in us, is not meant to live apart from a body. Sometimes we have a kind of a messed up view of heaven. We think that we'll be just disembodied spirits floating around somewhere, but that's not the reality. The reality is, is that we were always created to inhabit a body. And that one day in the end, it says that God will call every body back into being. He'll reassemble all of the atoms and every body that ever has been. He'll call them out of the sea and out of all of the places that they were. And they'll come back together. And that spirit will will re- once again re-inhabit those bodies. And will work and will we'll have meaning and will have purpose for the things that we do. how we live, but it's God who, again, in this stanza, we recognize that it's God Himself, and He's the only one who is the author of life. He's the only one who is able to breathe life into us, who is to cause us to come to a place of authentic and real and eternal life, and it is according to His plan. It's according to His way, what He has set forth, and He has set forth a gate, a door by which no one may enter into heaven or into His presence apart from that. And that gate is Jesus himself and his work on the cross on our behalf. God breathed into us, and we then became a living being. We cling to what we know in this world. It says that my soul clings to dust, and we've got to get real with the fact that that that. We hold on tight to the things of this world, to the, to the experiences that we have, to what we see, to what we have, to how our mind thinks, but we have to get real with the reality of the brokenness of all of it. That my mind doesn't always see things right, it doesn't see things clear, that there's a reality of fallenness that's upon us, and that what we really need is to hear from God. We need a touch from God, we need to meet with God in expectation of connection and to hear from God And then we need to move forward into what he calls us to. We need to cling to him, not this world. Verse 26 says, I have told of my ways and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts and I will meditate on your wonders. The psalmist kind of starts to begin to talk a little bit about confession at this point. I told you, God, of my ways. I've talked to you about the things that I've done. And I want to hold that this is a pathway to healing. This is a pathway to peace. James 5.16 tells us, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. A prayer of a righteous person, when it is brought about, can accomplish much. See, we have a bad aversion to the things in our past. And the bad thing that we tend to do, the bad way we tend to deal with that and handle that is by stuffing it down into a dark place and hoping that nobody ever sees it or comes to know about it or hears about it or anything else. We have a great fear that if everybody knew the reality about who we've been and what we've done, and especially if God did, that we would be rejected. That the people would actually just usher us straight out the door but there's a reality of it is that we are all a broken people, that there's nobody here who's good. What does the Bible teach about good people? It teaches that there are not any, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that we may judge one another as good or not good dependent on our behaviors, but in comparison to a holy and righteous God, there's none of us that are good. There are none of us who are living into the intention that we were intended to live into. We aren't walking this out. But confession has a great effect in our lives. What it does is it's it's reaching down into that dark place and where Satan and even a a prison of our own making had tentacles around our soul holding on to this lie saying if the people heard about it or if you told anybody about it ever, they would just reject you. It's about reaching down. It's about getting that out and bringing it into the light where it can't live anymore. It's not about telling everybody in the church. The church, your business is not just the church's business, okay? It's not about bringing it to me. It's not about bringing it before the whole church. It's about bringing it to somebody that you trust and know that is on your side. Somebody who cares about you. Somebody who loves you. Who is concerned about and is for your benefit. And then if you've never done that, if there's something about you, if there's something in you that you continue to identify yourself with, If you believe that this has something to do with who you are, maybe it's even the sin of somebody else's who spilled over into your life, I want to encourage you to tell somebody about it, to find somebody that you know that you can trust, that you believe and you can trust that these are people who who, who understand confidence and confidentiality and people who are for you and get it out. Don't live with the baggage of that anymore. Don't allow it to tell lies to you. Don't allow it to speak into your mind and into your spirit anymore. Give it to God and confess it to somebody else and then get on your knees with that person and pray about it because that's the purpose. The purpose isn't to humiliate you. The purpose isn't to to shame you. The purpose is about healing so that we might be healed. My soul weeps because of grief, strengthen me according to your word, remove the false way from me, and graciously grant me your law. My soul weeps because of grief, and, and, and this is a reality in our lives, is that, is that grief has come, and there's a lot of things that we grieve, and there are a lot of things that we should grieve, but we can always turn to our source of strength and hope, right? Right? We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. But that strength comes in our weakness, not in our strength, not in our self-sufficiency, not in our ability, not in how good we are, but in our weakness, in our humility and recognizing that we have a need and that God is ready to meet that need and that he's able to meet that need. It's in weakness that we find our strength It's in believing that he is sufficient and that he's able that we reach out and we connect with him and we connect to this source of strength that apart from him, we can never have. Then it says, remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. Just like we talked about, we're prone to false ways. We're prone to things that are lies. We've been influenced by, by words that have been spoke over us in our lives and we've been We've been influenced by, sometimes by false teaching out of, out of this even. We've been influenced by the words that we speak over ourselves. There's a constant dialogue going on in your head, and you don't always tell yourself the truth. This is a, a, a plea, an ask for, from the psalmist to God to just reach in there and wrench out any way that's not true. Anything that's not true, anything, any way that I'm living that is apart from you. You see, there's a world out there that's trying to define and trying to just make everything okay and everything right, make everything acceptable. And if we can do that, then somehow maybe we'll just, life will get better. But it won't. It won't get better that way. There's one way that it'll get better, and that's when we begin to live by God's laws and His precepts, by His ways when we begin to cry out to this God and we ask him to remove all false ways from us, God, teach us what's really true and help us that we might live in that and that we might be truly the people that you've called us to be. It takes humility to learn. It takes humility to acknowledge the fact that what we are and how we think may not be all right. I have chosen the faithful way. I have placed your judgments before me I cling to your testimonies. Lord, do not put me to shame. Again, we have this fear that God might put us to shame. But I wanna encourage you that as we go through this teaching, that this isn't just about you trying to be good. It's not about you trying to follow all these rules. It's not about you trying to check all these boxes off. That's the self-will and it will always be insufficient to carry you very far. This is about a connection to our God. This is about connecting to Him. This is about being led by His Spirit. This is about hearing from Him for real. This is about meeting Him in prayer and in His Word so that He might change us. It's not about checking boxes. It's not about following rules. You'll fail at that, and you'll fail at it every time. The only way to not fail at it is to be plugged into a source that is capable of changing your heart and your mind. This is the work of God. It says, I shall run the way of your commandment for you will enlarge my heart. For the Jewish people, the heart was everything. It was, they didn't really have a conception of the brain or a thought about the brain. Everything about the person flowed through the heart. Your intellect, your knowledge, your emotions, your soul, everything about it was connected to the heart. Enlarge our hearts, God. Teach us to to have a heart that, that sees the world and the things of this world the way you do. Give us a heart and enlarge our heart for compassion and for grace and for kindness and for goodness. Give us a heart for your word and for your ways. And give us a heart to go out into the world out of these doors and to tell everyone else about the freedom and the goodness about who you are. At the end of the day, it's all God. It's all about Him. He's the only one who is truly able and is truly has the strength or the ability or the ways to carry us through this thing. Listen to some of the words from these Psalms. Deal bountifully with me that I may live. Open my eyes, give me life, teach me, make me understand, strengthen me, enlarge my heart. So that's my prayer for us this week, that as we leave here today that we will leave here a people desiring for God to enlarge our hearts, to, to take us wider, to, to have us be a people that we haven't been, to have, help us to realize that we're on a journey, and that on that journey that we're called to be a pilgrim on that journey, recognizing that this isn't the place of permanence. But while we're here, what we do is important and how we live has meaning. And what we do here will have eternal consequences both for good and for bad. And so we wanna be a people who are just connecting ourselves each and every day, connecting into the vine, right, that out of our life might flow fruit, the fruit of righteousness. Meeting with God in the mornings in his word with an expectation that he's gonna meet you there, with an expectation that this is a God that you can connect with, that this isn't a far away God, but that this is a near God who has a desire to bring healing and change into our lives, to to take our our minds and to transform them, to change our hearts, to enlarge in our hearts, to make us into who we've never been before, to actually live this life as a Christian, maybe in a way that we've never experienced. But it won't just happen by just getting in our Bibles. Not if we just treat them as, as 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 a check the box, I'm gonna do this in the morning. It really needs to be a heart desire. It needs to be everything about our being is that we wanna meet with God. We wanna hear Him. We wanna believe and know that what He has for us this day is the absolute best and highest for our life. So Lord, that's our prayer this day. We pray that you would meet with us, that you would change us, that you would grow us. Lord, we just acknowledge that in and of ourselves, we don't have what it takes, but that you do. But you've never created us to live in a part on our own. You've never meant for us to be an island to ourselves. You've called us to live in harmony with you and with one another. You've called us to live according to your word. You, you bring us to life, Lord. So I wanna pray over anyone here who's never act, asked you to open that door. Anyone who's never walked through that narrow gate. Anyone who's never recognized that they have a need for Jesus as savior. I pray that today might be the day that they recognize that today is the day of salvation. And all they have to do is to cry out in humility is to recognize that they don't have what it takes, but that you do to receive the forgiveness that you offer through the cross. And I just pray over that. I pray that that we would acknowledge what you've done on the cross, that it was done on behalf of us, each one here individually, so that we might have life, so that you might touch our spirit and quicken it, that you might bring us to life, that we might walk out the rest of the days of our lives for your purposes, to fulfill what you have for us, that we might live with real identity, real meaning, and real purpose. That as we open your word, that you might transform our minds, that you might enlarge our hearts, that we might truly be life and love to the community of Sheridan. And we ask that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.